And welcome back to our sixth episode of uh, The Tech Garage. I like that we got the number right on the first try this time. Yeah, I did, it, there was no argument there, which yeah. is always a bonus. Um, so on today's show, we're going to be talking about uh, net neutrality, um, a little bit about DirecTV. Um, for those of you that are not in the Seattle area, you probably don't know actually that SakuraCon is going on this weekend. So we'll talk a bit about that and some other cons that are coming up that might be exciting. Yeah, and either, even those of us who don't work in downtown Seattle don't didn't know that it was going <laughs> on until you told me just a minute ago. Uh, yes. And then I think we're probably going to talk about a uh, cool new tool that I found this week that uh, if you're running in a Unix environment might actually make your world a little bit better place. So... Uh, Matt, you had some strong feelings on the Comcast net neutrality thing. Why don't you kind of fill I did. me so, in? So net neutrality seemed like it was a big deal, what, last summer sometime. There was a, a bunch of stuff. And I know you never pay attention to any of the political uh, TV news uh, yeah, crap. I, I mean, my, my approach on politics is that I am positive there is a rich dude that's going to screw me yeah. out of cash somehow. But occasionally I, I, I like to, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Watch the Daily Show, uh, which which is where I get most of my news. Well, which then, then it, it's unbiased. At, yeah. It's uh, clear. We poke fun of Fox News and stuff. But uh, there was a somewhere last year. There was there's a lot of talk about net neutrality on the net also, mm -hmm. um, which is basically the ability of ISPs to be able to restrict content or not, or and and whether or not there should be laws that say they can restrict content. A lot right. of the conservative politicians were pushing that. Uh, we shouldn't have net neutrality, that, that ISPs should be able to deliver whatever content they want, and they should tell you what content you should or shouldn't be able to get at your house. Right, and I mean, the, the, the benefit there is obviously to the um, internet providers, because let's say I'm Comcast, I can all of a sudden turn off any, uh, I can decide to turn off Netflix, I can decide to turn off Verizon, I can stop um, any other network that might be trying to produce content and distribute it evenly to only the people I want, and I can charge them a premium then to come it, in and have network, or, you it, know, to have Exactly, and there was some weird reverse argument on the, you know, the that the businesses were making that uh, this, you know, infringes on their ability to be a business, and hey, big government shouldn't get into my business and tell me what to do, those sort of sort of things. So, I, and I know this isn't the um, necessarily what we're talking about, but I do want to bring it up because it really hurts me inside. I've been very frustrated lately, for those of you that, and, and I've probably talked about it here, I live in, like, BFE. And consequently, I have to like pay huge amounts of money to get my T1 in because Comcast is unwilling to come out here because there's a, you know nobody well, out here. They'd have to dig a line and, and, yeah. and put it in for an ex uh, and it costs a lot of money. I made an argument to my wife not too long ago that what we ought to do is the infrastructure ought to be privatized or ought to be um, it is privatized. Not pri I'm not, yeah, I said it backwards. <laughs> the it government ought to the run government it. ought to run it so yeah. that the government owns the fiber optics that go to all of your houses. And then Comcast, Quest, Verizon, whoever, they buy time on that, much like they do on the internet. Yeah. And then we could have nice new infrastructure. It could be really super cheap. Like, and she's like, no, that'll never work. Who would do that? Let me tell you, I talked to a buddy. They've done that down in Utah. There's um, a town, actually a fairly large region. I don't remember which one. Where they've ran fiber everywhere. The government owns the fiber infrastructure. And you can get, like, uh, uh 50 meg down and up for like 15 bucks a month. Wow. Yeah. And if you, oh, wait, I'm sorry, for 15 bucks a month. That's what I said, right? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. what you said. Yeah. If you want to go 50 bucks I'm a month, there. you can, I know, if you want to move to Utah, I'm like, yeah. hell yeah. But if you want to pay 50 whole dollars a month, yeah. which is about what everybody else is paying for their Comcast these yeah. days, right? For 50 bucks a month, you can get 150 meg. 
Wait, which what? Yeah, which is I mean that's more than you're going to be able to get over the internet backbone, right? So you're going to slow yeah. down once you hit the internet. But the interesting thing is, is anybody that is in that area now, yeah. you can do basically high speed video conferencing, like butter. I mean, it's better than like a, cell, a phone. Yeah, that, that's crazy. I uh, I actually got a call come from Comcast last week uh, mm-hmm. asking me if I wanted to upgrade my uh, my internet speed from. I don't know, whatever it is now, which seems perfectly acceptable for anything, streaming content, everything. Mm-hmm. I don't have any delays. And they were like, for another $10 a month, you can get 20, uh, I think it was like 30 megabit download and 20 megabit upload, which is crazy fast. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I, I don't actually yeah, yeah. need it that fast. So I'm like, t- keep, I'll keep my 10 bucks a month. Yeah, sorry about the, sorry about the uh, tangent there. But I, my, my major point is... it. While the government is normally heinous at technology stuff, there are certain infrastructure aspects that I think we probably ought to put in their hands and really let them kind of run it because yeah. they're doing better than I think Comcast and Quest do. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I could see arguments on either side, but they do, you know, maintain our roads fairly well. It, our roads, our power, and well, is, well, do they do power I or is that? I don't, I can't, I I can't really speak to that because PSE pretty much yeah, owns us out here. Power is pretty much privatized, but yeah, we should get rid of that um, too. You know, some of the utilities. I think it depends on the where you're at. The utilities are sometimes regional, sometimes See, they're for the forty percent of my salary that the government's taking. They really ought to be uh, giving me more. You, th- you think they should provide you internet? <laughs> yes, they should. Yeah. And healthcare. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to argue that discussion. one. <laughs> I just threw that out there to, 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 to fuck around. But okay, so uh, back to net neutrality. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, really, I mean, my opinion is I'm paying for access to the internet. Yep, and that's it. There should be no. You shouldn't care what I'm getting. It should be any port, any protocol, open. I get it w- within reason. Why? Why is there reason? Because when you signed your contract yeah. for your internet service, yeah. I am sure there were bandwidth stipulations that you didn't bother to read. I, no, and I, if and you're going to be hosting a like, let's say you're trying to host Dig on your home box, yeah, you expect Comcast, who's servicing other customers, to say, you know what, that's outside of our terms of use, so you're I, done. I completely agree with bandwidth restrictions, right? And and hey, I've got, I've already got a. You know, whatever my upload and download right. uh, limits are, yeah. as long as I'm within those, and as long as I'm not exceeding total bandwidth because I'm hosting right. y- y- porn, y- whatever, yeah, then then the actual content shouldn't shouldn't matter. And, I agree. And you should be able to have access to any content, but yeah, uh, yeah there's and, and I don't think that they should. Content. I don't think that the ISPs should be even even illegal content, which. I'm not for, but if uh, there should be other people who are in charge of restricting you from getting that illegal content. So, so if, it, if say I'm like downloading um, illegal uh, videos or something, videos, right? yeah, yeah. If I'm I'm getting free movies off the internet, somebody else's responsibility other than my ISP should be there. Now, if there's somebody that's poli- and regardless of that argument, right? So, I'm so not making that, that the argument that somebody should be doing that, but somebody should be doing that. They should be, it should be another agency. Like the RIA. Right, well, or <laughs> actually I think a government agency that would be responsible for policing ooh, ooh, it. Ooh, ooh, I want to be on the internet police. I know. And then, you know, they contact your ISP to go, oh, hey, what's the, I, who's who's at this IP address, right? So, but I, I don't know that they really I'm not saying they should dude. even do that. I've watched TV. All you have to go is go click, 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 and you know who was doing whatever. It's really easy. It happens yeah, all the time. I've, I've seen that on TV, too. Uh, <laughs> but I think the ISPs should be completely outside of any any regulations on 
and it should just be it's open. But what? So so well, was, the, was, the problem here isn't even necessarily that the ISPs need to be open. It's the ISPs are trying to leverage their own. Um, ownership or their own abilities on their networks. Exactly. Which I'm a big fan of do what's right and you know don't let the government be too involved in what you're doing. Yeah. But I think once you open yourself up to be a publicly traded company, you have obviously responsibilities to the people that you're serving. And if you as a company are like, I'm going to try and make my company more money, that's great. That's what companies ought to do. But in the internet world, you end up in a weird spot where as, say, Comcast, and I'm just picking them out of the blue here, I, I want to make more money as a Comcast, or as a Comcast stockholder, I want to make more money. Not that I own stock in Comcast. But you have a forced choice when it comes to internet in our area, right? Yeah. You have, like, three major providers. So if Comcast decides to be dicks and limit a whole bunch of stuff, and Quest decides to be dicks and limit a whole bunch of stuff, as a consumer, you're stuck in a bad spot of, like, well, am I going? which, which of these horrible people am I going to work with, right? Yeah. Because maybe I want to view Netflix, which Comcast allows, but Quest doesn't. Maybe I want to use Amazon Video On Demand, which Quest allows, but Comcast doesn't. And to be clear, nobody's restricting any of those things right, right now. Th- this is just yeah. an example here, people. Well, and, um, and my for me right now, I mean, like, uh, I really only have one choice. I, I've got Comcast, which is more choices than you have. Well, you could do um, Quest. You could do I could uh, do Wild Quest. Blue. And I tr- <laughs> here's the thing. I tried Quest, but, like, DSL from my location was painful. Yeah. Um. But, but and, and maybe that was that was seven eight years ago. Maybe I'll give it a try again. If uh, but 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 for a lot of people, there's yeah, the, you've got one internet provider in your location, and right. and if they say you can't have this content, you don't you can't then go out in the free market and say, well, I'll use your your competitor because there's right. no competitor. And, and that was and kind that, of the point I was getting to, yeah. right? Is that just with the first choice of your ISP, it really starts to be hinky when the ISP is going, I've got you by the balls. Yeah. And now I'm going to tell you what content you can watch. And I think, you know, that was that was a problem with uh, television content uh, through cable providers until satellite TV became prevalent. So Actually, um, interesting you should mention that. Yeah. Um, this week, okay, so my wife loves Bones, right? Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, um, Emily Dashnell, the lady that plays Bones, was pregnant in real life. And apparently decided that for the best part of her family, she wanted to not be super pregnant and having a baby on TV, I guess. So mm, she took okay. some time off, right? Okay. They split the thing. And yeah. my wife has been on me for the last five months. When are we going to watch Bones? When is this Bones coming up? Bones is finally on, right? Yeah. It came back. She was, like, super excited. She was doing that little happy dance that you see, like, little kids do. Like, yay! Okay, she wasn't, but better picture. Um, so we sit down to watch Bones. And she hits the play button on the... Um, we have DirecTV, right? Yeah. She hits the play button on the DVR so that we can watch it, and then, boom, up on the screen, guess what? It's not Bones. It's a message from DirecTV saying, we are sorry, but we are unable to show you this, vi- this uh, show because we have been asked not to air it due to um, legal things with Fox, and we are working really hard to get this show back for you, and we'll let you know when it works. So is it just Bones, or is it other... Fox shows are unavailable it, also. I don't know. It, as far as I'm aware, it was only Bones. But there's been other times. Because it's weird because I think my family watched uh, American Idol this week. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. But like, there's been other times where we've gone to watch something on DirecTV and they've been like, hey, like TNT, I think. I, we watch TNT a lot because it's like a bunch of throwaway movies that you can just turn on on the weekend. Yeah. We got a message one day when we went to TNT that was like... Uh, Again, there's legal concerns around TNT. We are not able to air these. We have been working actively with T- the TNT network to make sure this works. And blah. 
And it sucks that, like, here's the thing. If you own a premium content station like HBO yeah. or Showtime, and you're like, mm, I've decided I don't want to sell my premium content to provider A. Yeah. Okay, that, that's your right, right? Do that, do whatever you need. But when you're saying provider A, I'm not willing to provide you with content that is available over the air, because Fox is not a premium network, right? Right. I could go down to Fred Meyer and slap an HD antenna on my computer or on my TV somehow and watch Fox, For right? free, yeah. For free. But they're telling him they can't play it over DirecTV? What, what's that about? Uh, well, and one of the other things that I've, I've seen in the last couple of years is uh, where there'll be a, a network that's owned by Comcast, um, and they will want an exorbitant rate from DirecTV to show it. So right. I think G4 and Versus both went through this. G4, they just end up, you can't get G4 on DirecTV anymore, which is uh, too bad because uh, Ninja Warrior was on there. Did you ever oh, watch I love that? Ninja Warrior? Oh that was God, awesome. That was the greatest show ever. So I got I got to figure out how to stream that. I got to find a, uh, some place to stream Ninja Warrior because I love the show and I haven't seen it for like two years and I'm a little excited about it. But uh, <laughs> but also uh, versus was the, uh, about a year ago. There was um, I don't know two or three months where Directv was didn't have versus anymore. Mm -hmm. Which uh, there aren't many of us who geek out on the tour to France, but uh, that's really Nerd. the only that's really the only place to watch it. And uh, fortunately, it's, it's back. Now, do you have to eat escargot while you're watching that? No. But no. You, <laughs> you have to think about riding a bike a lot. These guys are amazing. I, but look, there's it's not a, really, it's, it's way off topic. There's so. a lot of sports where people are amazing, and I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the, the weird thing about this, and this is something we've talked about here before I know, we're getting to the point where we don't actually think we need television at all anymore because, uh, like, when when we couldn't get Bones from DirecTV, I went immediately to Amazon Video On Demand and went, give me the season pass, and we right. were able to watch Bones that evening, right? right. Um, but, I mean, with Netflix and Amazon Video On Demand, there's almost no need to actually have TV anymore because, like, uh, the other day I came home and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see what's on my instant watch queue in Netflix. Oh, here's a movie I've been waiting to see. I'll watch that while I'm cooking dinner. Right. And it's just, there, so, there's no reason television champ, you shouldn't be able to go to your television provider and say, look, here's the 10 channels I care about and I'm going to pay you $50 a month. Right. Until we get back to our original discussion now, uh, which is net neutrality, which is some of those ISPs can now block you streaming from those locations. So right. something that happened... Uh, in this, this last week was uh, Xbox launched HBO Go mm -hmm. on the Xbox, the, the new app for the Xbox. So you can basically, if you're a HBO subscriber, right. uh, you can sign in your info, which you can do on your PC or you can do in multiple other places. But specifically on the Xbox, Comcast was blocking that stream. Yeah, see, that doesn't seem right to it me. It doesn't seem right to me either. So uh, apparently uh, both Comcast and Time Warner were blocking it. Uh, in this week, I just read something yesterday that Comcast is going to open it up and allow it as of sometime in the very near future, but uh, people who want to use that feature with Time Warner are still up in now, the air. Now, do you so. think that, and again, just so everybody's aware, neither one of us work for Comcast. Um, no, I, I don't. So we can't be like releasing any Comcast stuff here, but... Do you suppose Comcast was doing that because they were concerned with the competition for their own Xfinity stuff, or like? I mean, that's the logical assumption to make. Um, I, I I suspect that in public they would argue it's because of you know maybe like download or uh, uh, 
capacity but, concerns yeah, they or haven't capacitized their but, network correctly. but they're not blocking netflix or any of the other streaming um, yeah. applications so it seems to me that it would be more likely that you know the customers like me who use comcast for internet but direct tv for television for television so i'm getting my um i'm paying my hbo subscription through direct tv um, but then I would be pulling that same content over the internet stream, in which case Comcast is now using their bandwidth to pay for something that I've paid premium cost to another company for. Right, and this is where I think it starts to get a little on the murky side. Um, and, and it goes back to our initial statement here is Comcast has provided me some confines to work within. And if I am choosing to purchase legal content and watch it over um, Comcast's networks, that it, should be fine. Exactly. Now, there should be no restrictions yeah, at that point. If Comcast, like, let's put this in a slightly different context, right? Like Savas or um, Amazon uh, CloudFront, right? Akamai. Akamai. Any of the content distribution networks. China Cash, if you're in Shanghai. Yeah, exactly. If <laughs> Geeking out here on CDN. Nerd. If uh, any of those people want to charge you for more downloads, right, or more bandwidth usage, that's completely acceptable because that's what their business model is. It's I'm going to take this content and I'm going to make that content available in whatever region you want it available in. It's going to be highly available. People can download it and we're going to charge you for that service. Yep. That makes sense. This seems like Comcast is putting themselves in a, we are not only supplying the infrastructure and we're now policing what you can watch, but we also want to be in the CDN kind of space and determine what exactly you can get. Uh, yeah, and that's yeah. just kind of a mishmash of uh, of ideas. And Comcast really, you know, I mean, maybe it's time that they were busted up a little bit, like uh, AT and T was back in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you suppose who do, who, is, do I, is there a congressman, congresswoman? Like, who do I talk to about that? Like, can I just request that Comcast be broken up as a monopoly? Uh, you could. Uh, if you knew who your congressman was. Now, do I have to write right. one of those crazy letters on physical media paper to send to them, or do they take emails these days? Uh, they actually... It's funny. Uh, <laughs> Is I, there a form I... Can I unlike Comcast on Facebook, and that tells my uh, congressman that I don't like them? I actually know this, uh, because uh, I, I went through uh, when... What was it? What was the big uh, thing that went on the, the internet? Uh, <laughs> Wait. a big political... <laughs> hang on. I, I'm, I'm remembering... About two months ago, there was a big uh, internet hoo-ha about, hey, don't do this. It was the, uh, oh, no, I can't remember what those Was this a National 420 Day? No. Anyway, uh, everybody on the internet decided uh, they didn't want uh, the government restricting internet content Mm -hmm. and and, and whatnot. uh, So they didn't like your governmental police idea for the internet? Yeah. Uh, And basically, everybody on the internet jumped up and said, I feel like a total retard now because I can't can't even remember the name of the bills that were were being proposed. I feel silly. And you have no idea because you don't pay attention to this stuff. So anyway, uh, um, and and I'm not going to look it up on the internet now. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but I went online and I'm like, hey, this is sweet. Here's a link. I can, uh, this is where like, you know, Wikipedia blacked out for a day. Right. And uh, everybody said, here's what it would be like if there was no internet. Uh-huh. You don't know anything uh, what I'm talking about. I saw you? messages <laughs> on Wikipedia about that. But that's, and you're like, that's damn it. it, I can't get to Wikipedia. I know. Let me tell you, when I can't use Wikipedia to settle an argument with people over lunch, it's just like. Yeah. So actually, Wikipedia had a link to, hey, 
here's a link to write to your congressman. Where do you live? And you put it in, then you'd be like, boom, here's a link to Maria Cantwell. And I can fill it. And I did it, actually, I did it all on my phone while I was watching TV and internet, da 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 da. And I'm like, hey, here's why I think this is a bad idea. The internet should be open. It should be free to yada, yada, yada. So did you actually put and, any compelling uh, points in there? Or did you just parrot back what they said? And the link, did it come prefabricated with the message that they were going to get? No, it, it was just a link to your, your, congressman's like how to send them a message and mm -hmm. it was you know and i was basically uh which now i, I sound clueless because i don't even remember what <laughs> it was about i really cared about this issue I care about this and i have no fucking idea what it was yeah but um yeah so anyway that was it was hey don't do this Here, right. here's why i actually gave compelling reasons i can't remember what they are now though it was like it, two months ago it's perched from my uh, short-term memory yeah that that was so like lost in the sands of time <laughs> but anyway, you can you can write your con and I wrote all three of them. I wrote Mira Cantwell, Dave Reichert, and um, our senator. Uh, I was like, yeah, you better say Patty one of Murray. those is a senator because I will mock the shit out of you for calling everybody a congressperson because I know yeah. we have two different classes of people that re represent us I, in I Washington. And I got my senator, Patty Murray. I sent them all, and all of them sent back a nice little form letter saying, <laughs> why saying, they, suck it, bitch. We're doing uh, what we want. Why anyway. they support what they support, or how how you know. Whatever, but uh, so can you imagine? I felt like I felt like I was a part of the process. I felt like I'm an adult. I wrote wait, to my uh, congressperson. Wait, 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 wait. Hold I on. I wrote to my senator, and you, you feel like you're part Mr. of the process. Mr. Bond goes to Washington, sort of. You feel like you were part of a process because you got an autoresponder bounce mail. Yeah, yeah. That was set but up. But it was it, the, the autoresponder was specific to the topic that I was I was discussing though. So yeah, so which came from a specific link that you clicked on from Wikipedia. They sorted that shit out early. No, no, no. I'm actually, sure. so the uh, the link once you go to that senator's uh, or Congressperson's uh, specific web page. They had, you know, hey, what's this topic? You know, there was so inside of there, there was, hey, what, what do you, what do you, what are you asking me about? Are you asking me about, you know, um, was there a drop down list procurement of, of farm equipment, or are you asking <laughs> about? Uh, the internet or, and technology, or yeah, so yeah, that's spend, where the form letter actually came from. I do spend a lot of the time asking my congressman about the internet, and they they probably have actually some interns sitting in a in a back room, like filtering through those, and oh, oh, oh he's filling out this form letter. Oh, which res what's the response we're supposed to send them for yeah. these? They, they have a copy and paste thing yeah. going on there, but. I, 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 it made me feel like an adult. Either way, oh, that's good. That's good. So, from uh, things that make you feel like an adult. Two yeah. things that make you feel like a child again. <laughs> I was uh, on my way into work uh, yesterday. I work in downtown Seattle. And I'm sitting at a light. And there is this... And if you're going to take umbrage with this, I don't really care. So um, I'm driving down the street. And I look over. And there is this massive woman. In a tiny, itty bitty little dress. With purple hair. And big pink sunglasses. And the first thing that popped into my mind, as I'm sure would pop into most everybody's mind, is, huh, Sakurakon must be in town this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know, Sakurakon is a big, huge anime convention. Um, typically, you see a lot of folks dressed up in costumes um, from their favorite anime or their favorite manga. There's a lot of cosplayers. There is a lot of cosplayers. And uh, so I've been to Sakurakon a number of times. It's a lot of fun. One of the things that always kind of strikes me is a whoa dude you need to seriously reassess your lifestyle is um how many people out there just from a show of hands have seen sailor moon i'm i'm not raising my hand right now you, you know, you've totally seen sailor moon i know you have um so anyway sailor moon is a uh, anime it focuses heavily on what would you say some uh, 
teenage girls in short skirts. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, well, last time I was at SakuraCon, I'm standing in line to get in, and I see a dude, a dude who's probably in his late 50s, uh, skinny as a rail, you know, gray hair, beard, and whatnot, in a Sailor Moon outfit. So he is rocking a tiny-ass little skirt, like a little half shirt that's just going over his uh, uh, man boobs. And it was supremely disturbing. <laughs> and, and, like... <laughs> Strangely, um, for some reason, every time I think cosplay, I think people like that, even though I know that's not the uh, prime demographic. But uh, anyway, SakuraCon's in town. Um, if any of you are going to hear this before it's done, which is highly unlikely, you should go check it out. If not, check it out next year. Um, you can usually see a bunch of really awesome new anime that's coming out. You can see, uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, also in SakuraCon, they hire um, professional models to dress as people. And so you have a bunch of like, uh, you know, 19 to 50 year old men that have never seen a woman before, or at least not on real life, getting to take pictures with scantily clad women. I, I'm a big fan of that part of it, actually. I, yeah. Just really, I, I am. The weird part is when one of the folks that's doing that actually knows something about the anime or about the character that they're representing. Like, it's shocking. You're like, how did you find, were you like studying for this role? I mean, how does that work? <laughs> Um. Yes. Have you ever been to SakuraCon? Yeah. You, you actually you, went. You've not actually to, been listening to anything I've been saying for the last I five minutes. I've been trying to you? do some. I've been like, <laughs> paying attention to some text messages and stuff that I'm getting from my boss at the same time. But, oh. Um. Yeah. I was. I've been in a number of times to SakuraCon. I, usually, it's a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. you. Uh, I've seen. I think I watched some uh, Star Blazers one year. Yeah. That they were showing. Another year, I watched some weird. Um, Japanese teen drama and like it was in Japanese so I had I, my buddy Martin uh, said hey we gotta go watch this and I'm like what the fuck are we doing here I, I don't understand this show yeah so uh, what uh, which which what did you dress up as um, actually <laughs> it's been a number of years since I dressed up to go to a con yeah and um, I didn't dress up this time no uh, no no but when you when you did what did you dress oh, up as well come on I was at a, a Star Trek convention yeah um, kind of the parent of all conventions I mean they were like really the progenitor for that yeah um, but I had um, I was probably uh, 13 or 14 and for those of you obviously this shouldn't be a shock I was a pretty big goddamn nerd um, but my mom had made for me one of the uh, next generation jumpsuits oh, um, wow, for Halloween nice. one year, so I wore that. Yeah, um, and it was like the pre, like the f kind of encounter at Farpoint type, right? Where like the very first year where they were all one big old jumpsuit before they'd figured out how to make it a shirt and pants. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I wore that to my uh, Star Trek convention that I went to. So uh, I was kind of uh, last year after, and we'll talk about PAX in a little bit. But after uh, Justin and I were at PAX last year. And Justin, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't see him. But he was like, we should totally dress up next year. For those of you playing at home, Justin is uh, Matt's brother-in-law, who, you know, was just as nerdy as I was as a kid, but not into the sci-fi comic scene at all. He was much more into wrestling and soccer. Yeah. So uh, the idea that I've got, and you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this, although I don't think we're ever actually going to do it, was <laughs> uh, the monarch in 21. Think about it. He's the monarch. I'm 21. That would be funny as... Right? I could totally pull off 20. So, and I'd be 21 when he was ripped, right? Right. So you guys yeah. are... <laughs> <laughs> you know, when he got a little bit like more uh, muscular. And, now, uh, uh, let's provide some context <laughs> for people here, just so that people know... But he was uh, still fat. He was yeah. just, you know, fat We're, and muscular. J just to set expectations here, we are talking about the Venture Brothers. Yeah. 
the monarch being a super skinny, tall, um, super villain, uh, arch rival of he's a super, Doctor. He's Venture. a super villain. Yeah, I mean, technically, he's a super villain. He's a super villain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I don't actually think he ever calls himself a super villain. Yeah, they, he's, they he's a refer nemesis. to Arch. Yeah, an he's, arch he's an arch nemesis. But uh, his hobby is arching Doctor yeah. Venture. And that, <laughs> yeah, now I think that would be awesome because. Um, yeah, that's now, what I was trying to Would you guys go on a stanza by any chance? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we would need to find a Nissan stanza. Yeah. It would have to be blue. Yeah, that would be awesome. As, yeah, I don't know if anybody's noticed from this short discussion, but I'm a huge fan as of the, so the at, Venture Brothers. Where do you fall on Archer? Uh, I'm also digging Archer right now. See, I started watching Archer uh, a couple weeks back, and that show is funny as it, shit. It is really <laughs> funny. And I, now, every time I hear uh, H. John Benjamin, the, the actor, yep. on other things, I'm like, oh my god, it's Archer, he's talking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think he was on uh, an episode of, what was I watching, uh, Ugly Americans last night. Uh, I couldn't get into Ugly Americans. I was just kind of like, eh. It's, it's sort of grown on me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, Archer's Archer's good. It's It's more... Funny than well, like it, it's more just Archer, potty humor funny. Yeah, it, Archer seems to be really kind of an awesome just one-liner setup. That yeah, is like thirty or twenty-two minutes long. Yeah, yeah. this it, is great. And then, yeah, but I, I I like the humor in Archer. Yeah, I, I was a little so when I was watch, when I started watching Archer the other day, um, I watched a couple episodes at home. I was like, oh, this is fun. I was at work sitting in the uh, little kitchenette eating my lunch. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm gonna go ahead and watch another episode of Archer, like because I was eating at an odd time, nobody was around, or because I'm a sad, sad. Or, is he still? Uh, so you're myself. you're in episode uh, for season one. Yeah, basically. I was in season one, episode so three. So he's still Carol, Cheryl, can't remember her name exactly. Yeah. And like whatever episode I was watching had, um, let's see, there was heterosexual sex. There was inferred gay sex with a bunch of naked men running around. Yeah. And I was like, wow, talk about a hell of an episode to pick to watch at work. I think my favorite episode uh, recently has been uh, Archer got wasted at some party somewhere. I don't know. Ended up at a strip club with Pam. Okay. And uh, ended up, and then he like wakes up in the morning and he remembers the stripper from the strip club that was gorgeous and they had amazing sex. It turns out he was super drunk and it was Pam. Oh. Uh, and. <laughs> And he's all like, spoiler alert. (laughs) You can never tell anybody about this, or I will kill you. No, seriously, I will kill you. (laughs) I I don't think your voice was quite deep enough. I I can't quite do it. I can't. That was the first time I ever tried it. It was impromptu. Uh, So, anyways, back to conventions. Uh, If you like this kind of talk, SakuraCon is a place for you. I mean, there's uh, plenty of other folks there. There's even usually uh, interesting speakers and things to do. Yeah. Um, But you were mentioning earlier today that. that there's some new cons that are starting up. Well, they're not new so much as they've been around for about ten years at this point. <laughs> but you're new you haven't really been paying attention. So, uh, <laughs> Penny Arcade started here in Seattle. Uh, I'm trying to think when I first went. It started over the the first couple of years. They were in Maidenbower Center, right? And that would have been like oh. Mm, 6 or 07, somewhere okay. in that time frame. So that's like six years ago. Six, seven years ago. So they've been going for, a few, yeah, they've been going for a few years. Uh, and then they've kind of blown up. Uh, they now take over the entire, uh, and it was the first couple of years that when I went, we'd go to the Maidenbauer Center. I remember I went with Kevin. Yep. And we'd show up. And I think we went to like the Friday and we're like, well, this is kind of lame. They don't really do anything so on Friday. It was like Friday afternoon after work, we show up and they had like a, you know, a panel and there was some, 
cool stuff. What, what's the uh, kind of the the oh. big impetus behind PAX? I mean, I've never been. What, yeah. what, what am I missing? It is games, video games, board games, what, it, mostly video games. Can I get new expansion is... packs for Dungeons & Dragons? Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, so there is, there is they, they cover anything gaming related, including board games or tabletop games, uh, dice a, games. Does a, what, Gary Jigax He probably, there? no. <laughs> Maybe, he may, he may. Um, I thought he passed away a couple of years ago. I think he did. Yeah. But I, he's, his head has been saved and it's in a bottle along with Nixon's and uh, Al Gore's. Yeah. So, um, nice. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's all, it's all video game related the and other game related. Right. And so they kind of blew up over the last few years, and they take over the entire, like, Washington State Convention Center in downtown mm-hmm. Seattle now for three full days. So it's right. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and there's a huge um, expo center where, you know, all the video, like, big companies come. They demo their games that are upcoming, and you, yep. can, you can see the, you know, big games that are coming out over the next year, and... And uh, and then they've also got uh, some of the things that I then they've got panels where they have game developers talking about their stuff. They mm-hmm. have like the guys from Red versus Blue do a panel <laughs> and they talk. And they like two years ago, I think I went to the Red versus Blue panel and they actually showed like, hey, here's the newest episode that hasn't come out and nobody's seen yet, but you know, right. see it here first, kind of. Uh, stuff and then um, they've also got game rooms. So they've got rooms where you can go in and, and play tabletop games. You can get your mm-hmm. expansion for Dungeons and Dragons. You can play Magic: The Gathering. Uh, and, and then they've got uh, console rooms. Now, where you can are there twelve-year-olds around to school? The people that are incapable of reading cards. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, that, that video is on, is on the internet. I watch it every once in a while. Yeah, I'll post a link to that in the uh, show notes. So the. Uh, you, you caught me off track now. Oh, there, there's game rooms. So in the right. game rooms, there's also like console rooms. So there's mm-hmm. console rooms and PC rooms. And okay. let me start on the console rooms because I'm, I'm moving from good to awesome. Uh, in the console rooms, you can go in and you basically go, hey, give me an Xbox mm-hmm. and whatever game. And then you and your friends can sit there and play for an hour of whatever game that is that you, you wanted to play. Right. Uh, and then there's a LAN party room where they have set up inside of there. I don't even know how many PCs in one room, like 500, 1,000, something on that kind of okay. scale. Like, I've looked at it before, and, I, and I'm really bad at estimating how many people are in a room or, or without, right. you know, without actually going, okay, wait, there's 20, you know, computers per row, and there's 50 rows, and, you know, and I do the math. I've never bothered to do that. But it's a lot, and you right. basically queue up and you go, "Hey, I wanna, I wanna go play this." And so then you go in there, and you with your ten friends or whatever, mm-hmm. and you go, "All right, cool, let's play Counter Strike." Wait, you have ten friends? No, I was, <laughs> I was exaggerating. Um, and yeah, and then you play Counter Strike or you play whatever other multiplayer game, which I can't think of anything else right off the top of my head. You play some Unreal Tournament, you Orange play, Box, uh, Orange Box. Uh, yeah, you play a little um, Portal. I'm guessing Team Fortress. There's right. a lot of Team Fortress going on in there. In fact, that's the only place I really play, or Team Fortress 2, to be honest. That's really, I, once a year, I play Team Fortress 2 nonstop for hours, and the rest of the year, I just don't play it at all. But, um, yeah, and you, it's just good, clean fun. <laughs> and then there's also... Simulated killing. There's, there's also good the occasional fun. people who are, you know, um, A, you've got the booth babes, which are the professional models that they right. hire to dress up as their their character. And then you've also got the the same, the cosplayers, same as SakuraCon, which right. is, but it tends to be people dressed up as, as video game, video game as characters. So, you know, there'll be some little girl dressed as Link or um, some 
hot character from some hot video game, and you're just like, oh my god! And then you run around and get your pictures taken with them. And right, Laura Croft is and, uh, you, you in got, and then you get full swag. Effect. You get a swag bag full of you know free crap. It's mostly crap. Yeah, uh, here's what I don't understand. I've been to a number of conferences for different things, and I've been to like technical conferences, like for work. I've been to like comic cons and whatnot. The swag bag. Everybody gets so stoked, and like. You get chintzy shit in it every time, right? Uh, like, yeah, yeah. It's very usually like a coupon do- for five dollars off of Pink Berry yeah. or something like. And that. like, is is this one of those things where people are like, "Oh, I've got to get me an Oscars gift bag." Like, you know, when you go to the Oscars as like Johnny Depp and you get like a bag that has like a bunch of really, really nice, expensive shit in it, and yeah. people are like, "Is this like most people's only spot where they're similar to their favorite actors and actresses, and they think it's cool?" Because like it's, I'm like, I don't need another fucking bag. Here's to what I think. Is, day, I think dude. there was a point where swag bags had really good swag in them, and everybody's like going, "Oh my god, I'm gonna," and and then you're like, dis- you're always disappointed. But occasionally you'll find something cool. Um, but the other thing, I mean, as you're going through the expo, they're they're throwing out. You get t-shirts, free t-shirts, right? Um, so it's kind of like these little these little scavenger hunts. How many free t-shirts you can get? Um, usually they don't fit me. Uh, <laughs> uh, strangely, they don't fit me either. Yeah. I don't think either of us really. Are I actually the right got. End of I that actually got continue. a T-shirt two years ago uh, from I don't. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, "Oh, sweet, this is cool." And it was like from one of the music games, so it had a guitar and right. it looked kind of sweet. And uh, I was like, "Oh, cool!" And it's even extra large. I took it home. I ran it through the wash, and it does not fit my ten-year-old daughter now. Nice. Uh, my who's like ninety pounds. I'm yeah. like, This is really. What did you? You made this out of. Shrinky dinks or something. <laughs> wow, uh, I haven't thought about shrinky dinks in a long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, packs. So they've expanded packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, or two years ago, I think was the first time they did this, and they had Pax East. Okay. Which is in Boston, and it is literally right now. And I've never gone to Pax East because that's a long fucking way to go so, to something that I can just wait six more months and go to. Things here. that I know nothing about the East Coast. Um, Boston's on the East Coast, correct? Yeah, yeah. That's why East is good, in the name. Good job. Yeah, I figured that it's one out. In, it's in Massachusetts. Uh, I'm doesn't not help. helping you, am I? <laughs> no, not at all. all right. I'll it's it's it really close to New York. I know where New York is. Okay. Um, sort of. Um, is there a big gaming community? Like, I live on the coast where, you know, you're in Seattle. There's a lot of tech folk here. There's a lot of tech folk, like, kind of all up and down our coast. You realize you're going to alienate, like, five ninths of <laughs> I, I no this is i'm not saying anything bad i'm asking questions yeah because you know you have certain areas where say like cutting or roping is really fucking big right you mean like wyoming yeah exactly like you and go there everybody knows you realize how to ride a horse. You're, you're lucky that i even know what cutting is yes i know and and 98 percent of the people listening to this don't oh, that's their google it please wikipedia it's apparently running now so give it a shot um but what i'm wondering is they're going to be, like, thinking you're, like, emo girl. Yeah, probably. <laughs> now, I'm not even talking about that kind of cutting. I'm talking about cutting I, I a know. horse, dude. <laughs> um, so, like... Uh, emo girl horse. Yeah. <laughs> Why is he cutting that horse? It makes no sense. That's cruel. I'm calling but, PETA. Like, here's the thing. Like, South by Southwest, another convention, right? Yeah. It's kind of... It's down in Austin. Yeah. Which... Makes sense because Austin has a huge music scene, right? Which is why South by Southwest is there. Yeah. Out here on the West Coast, we have a lot of technology stuff. We have a lot of game companies. We have a lot of that. Uh, Boston is not the first 
place that jumps into my mind when I'm thinking like an East Coast equivalent of that. Right. So I right, think so on the East Coast, you've generally just got, though, a huge population. I mean, it, it's, okay, it's so generally more dense than here. Right. And just assume that anything that's here, you've got everywhere else. Well, I'm sure. I mean, like, I know the East you know Coast is even here. There's even gamers in, like, Kansas. Yeah. Like, yeah. I realize there's gamers <laughs> there. I was just trying to figure out why they picked Boston, not like... Uh, I have no like idea why they picked Chicago, maybe. I don't know. Like, it was just a... I think they were just looking for one of the large cities on the East Coast. <laughs> it could have been Philadelphia. It could have been... The Windy City. Raleigh. It could have been... North Carolina is a big city. It could have been Atlanta, except for Tot there. I've been to Atlanta. It was a nice place. Yeah, was like, I was hot? there for multiple hours. I've never yeah. been there. Were you just in the airport? <laughs> no, no. I <laughs> left the airport because our plane got canceled. So I got on a shuttle, went to the hotel, had food, and then came back the next morning at an ungodly hour. Wow. That kind of sucks. Yeah, it did suck. But uh, it was way better than the time we got stuck in Houston because the uh, hotel we were staying in in Atlanta at least had food still. <laughs> I always wonder, uh, this, again, completely off topic, but since you bring it up, I've never gotten stuck in an airport. And I've traveled a lot over the last, and not nearly as much as some people, but right. I mean, I, I'm on like five to ten trips over the last year. So here's the thing. And um, a while back, I did the math in my head, and I found that the reason you get stuck is because you have a connecting flight. No, no, no. And, and most of the time... <laughs> I, do you know how many times I've been in the Denver airport over the last year? It's more than five. That's it's, a lot yeah. of time in Denver. I, and, and, and only two of those trips were actually to Denver. See, and historically, my traveling takes me to places that don't require connecting flights, so I don't ever have problems. Like, we go to Vegas. Yeah. No connecting flight required. It's easy. Um, all of the flights we've had, well, my wife and I have had lately to go um, to anywhere. Like, we flew to... Strangely, Idaho had a connecting flight. I'm a little... Un we had to go... Huh? Yeah. That's, that's, there's not even a... We had to go to Salt Lake. There's to not even Idaho. another state in the way. Well, there you is did. when you go through I yeah. when you go through Salt Lake. That's poor planning. Well, that was an... So that was a last-minute trip. We found yeah. out we had to leave and that, that, you know, flew out. Happen. We took what we had yeah. to. Um, Mexico, we went to Cancun. Apparently, that required a stop off in Georgia. Again, with your planning. See, and that's my thing is like... My wife, who was scheduling the trips, is like, I saved us money by doing a connection flight. I'm like, really? But you've doubled the <laughs> distance that you're flying. Right, it's like, I'm willing to pay I mean, more at least, money. At least Cancun's on the east side of Mexico, which kind of, I mean, you're not as far out of your way as if you were going to Baja. But yeah. still, that's you, you, you added some travel time onto that. Well, yeah, trip. and that's the thing. Is like, I think, why don't we just optimize for single flights? Because then it's a whole lot easier. We don't have to worry about the mad rush in between airports to get from A to B. And Yeah, and, and all the travel sites now tell you exactly, you can choose. Yeah. Hey, I want a. I can. And I'll, what I'll usually do is, I'm, as I'm going through, is I'll go. Okay, here's the. Well, I want. I'll, I'll take one connecting flight. I'll try and go for none if I can. Right. If I can do it, and then I'll I'll do the little scale bar. To, here's my departure and arrival yep. times that I want to shoot for. Mm -hmm. And then okay, nope. This flight is 12 hours because oh, there's a eight hour layover. Yeah. I'm not doing that one. And I can see my options. And then I'll usually kind of balance out price with convenience and. Mm -hmm. At some See, point, most of the time, I can get a either a direct flight or a brief transfer. Yeah, I. But on I, none of those transfers have I ever gotten stuck. So I think we're in in my case, we have a two part thing going against us. One. Do you need me to be your travel agent next time? No, 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 no. We're doing fine. I'll, I'll opt for it. I, I have a. I've I just need like a ten percent fee. Ten percent fee. Yeah, I've convinced Sid now that we should really optimize for the um, single flights where possible. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing at play is uh, Murphy. 
Uh, his law? Yes. Oh, okay. It's like in full effect. My wife gets really stressed out in airports. Okay. They're like hell for her because it's a whole bunch of people, which she's not a big fan of. Yeah. And they're all going somewhere, but they don't really know where they're going. So it's a really slow and arduous process. The airlines, even though they've been doing this for like 100 years, it, they still don't really have that solid of a process either, right? Okay. There's a bunch of arbitrary rules. And there's a bunch of like not thinking clearly. So she gets like super stressed. Me, I'm like... Fuck it, I'm at the airport. Right. It's cool. I'm it's cool. Gonna, I'm gonna hang out. Yeah. I'm gonna watch some TV. I'm gonna read. There's a book. all kinds of interesting people at the airport. There's, there's always like and there's it's weird. You've got the you've got the people who dress up nice to go to the yep. flight, and you've got the people who, where the fuck did you come from? So here's the thing <laughs> about that. Like seriously, if you are, it's better than the mall. Yeah. If you're 13 years old and you're a girl, right? It is acceptable to be at the airport in your flannel pants and your sweatshirt and carrying your pillow. Yeah. Yeah. If you're 22. Put on some goddamn clothes. I, I, I couldn't agree more. If you're a man, put on some goddamn clothes. I don't care if you're 11 years old. I don't care if you're five. Like, if your parents are carrying you around in one of those baby carriers, you can wear your pajamas. I, I will <laughs> say this. Uh, I, there have been a few. I, I've gone back and forth on this. Uh, when I travel now, I do occasionally wear flip-flops because of ease at security. Yeah, so I have optimized. Like, I don't even travel that much, but I have optimized that problem away. All of my shoes are slip-on. Oh well. See, this is lazy. this is the uh, the the. Um, I used to. Those wear aren't even slip-on shoes. Those are those are just like Vans or something. Yeah, they're skateboarding shoes. And okay, so here's the great thing about skateboarding shoes: um, the tongue has a. Uh, you know how most tongues and shoes are free. Yeah. The scoot the skateboarding shoes almost invariably have elastic, elastic on either side of the yeah. tongue, which keeps the tongue down. Yeah. So you really don't need to tie them. Right. And then if you just kind of put your laces in there back and forth, it keeps it cinches it up enough to where you can now slide your foot in and out real easy. It is great because it means I don't have to wear Velcro shoes anymore. Right. So you look like an adult. I look adult-ish. I mean, ish. <laughs> <laughs> Skate shoes and a hoodie isn't quite an adult look, but yeah. It's, but it's like close even enough. even my uh, my nice dress up shoes or not my nice my dress up shoes when I actually dress like an adult, they're right. slip ons. You know, they're black leather. And yeah, that's fine. Um, so I usually optimize those at airports so they can just come off easy and go yeah. On. I I don't understand the airport security honestly though. Dude, it makes, it's to keep terrorists at bay. It's it's such a load of bullshit. So I I have not actually been in a lot of foreign countries like. But I hear there's other places where their um, deterrent for terrorism is people standing around with big fucking assault rifles. Uh, and if you look like a terrorist, they shoot you. Well, you went to Mexico. <laughs> that was how they, they operate down there. Uh, actually, you're right. That is, that is yeah. how they were operating. Yeah. And I think that's a much more effective deterrent yeah. than making me strip down bare and walk through well, a goddamn Well, and take thing. off my shoes and take off my jacket yeah. and, and oh, take my laptop out of the bag. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I'm Take much off my belt, which then my pants fall down and I look yeah. like an idiot. And then... And then I've got some lady in front of me who doesn't understand the process and, and needs like 10 carts. And, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to. So here's the thing. If you're an American, how do you not know the process at an airport anymore? I, I don't know. Like if you don't know when you get there, by the time you're standing in your sixth fucking line, you've heard it yeah. announced like 90,000 times. You stand right next to that sign for 20 minutes that says, take your shit out of your bag. Yeah, I I don't I don't understand. And you know, it wasn't that long ago. It was like uh, in '08 or '09. I went through the Munich airport, and it was just like it was like here in 1998, right? Yeah. You, you go through and you walk through the metal detector, and, you, and you're like, but but it was relatively, you know, hey, there's some security. You can't pay, you know carry your gun onto the airplane, but <laughs> but it wasn't like this crazy yeah. over the body scanners. 
Um, so this, and I just connected the dots on this myself, in America, and I've been doing a lot of uh, uh, interviewing lately. Okay. And I find that in America, we have a strong desire to solve problems. Right? Yeah. But usually the way we choose to solve problems is not to go, oh, here's my problem, here's what's going on, let me figure out how to fix this. We create meta-problems. We're like, here's the base problem, which naturally means I have these problems. And then we solve the meta-problems in complicated, kludgy way that actually increase the amount of problems. Yeah. So you now have a small problem that's easy to fix. How do we stop terrorists from getting on airplanes? Right. You scare the fuck out of them, and you kill them. Um, that's easy solution. There, there may be some nuances that you need to work out there, whatever. But what you don't do is go, oh, well, I want to make sure that these class of things don't get through, so I'm going to go and create a very complicated, difficult, manual process for this problem. Right. And now I can't bring water on the airplane. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right? I'm thirsty. And, like, here's the thing. And this is maybe me just, again, my systems engineering level approach. There are problems that crop up in any system. And you want to deal with the problems that happen the most regularly and have the largest impact. Yeah. Do you know why you have to take your shoe off to get on an airplane? Because some guy tried to put a bomb in his shoe once. One guy. Yeah. One time. It's not like this was an epidemic. It's not like everybody's walking in going, I've got uh, razor wire in my shoe. I'm going to use it to scare people. Ooh, or I got a bomb in my shoe. No. One fucking dude. I know. It Over Overcorrection. Yep. Bad planning. Completely. So uh, I think we're running out of time, and I think you had one more thing you wanted to talk yes. about. It, that um, was on the list. <laughs> that wasn't airports or... Yeah, we, we're not sure how we got there. Um, well, I'm not sure how I got there. I, anyway. We were talking about Penny Arcade Expo, and then somehow... Oh, I, I, I had a geography question. Oh, that was right. And <laughs> that, that'll get us off you track You didn't know where really Boston was. I know Boston's on the East Coast. Screw you. <laughs> Good job. Um, it actually seems like it might be a fun place to visit, honestly. Um, but anyway, uh, so this week, I uh, had a new guy start on our team, and he's got a lot of Linux experience, and I was trying to do some work on a number of servers, and he's like, hey, have you ever heard of this? I'm like, I have not. What are you talking about? So what he was talking about is M Collective, which um, if you are managing your fleets by Chef and Puppet, you've probably heard of this before. If you're like me and hadn't. Or if you're in Windows, you know, or you have no idea what you're talking about. Hey, Chef exactly. and Puppet, what? So uh, what M Collective allows you to do is basically say, um, actually, let's talk in general first. When you're running a large-scale system, right? Let's say you have 1,000 servers, 10,000 servers that you need to manage. From time to time, there's activities that you're going to need to be able to perform on your servers. Right. Right? Um, some choices you have is you can write a huge, long for loop that serially loops through every one of your servers. And sometime by uh, four months later, it'll be done. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. And then you're going to have a horrible output. You're going to have to try to figure out what it says. Okay, so obviously, non-optimal solution. You have other things you can do where you can, uh, you know, do it in batches to where you connect from your box to 20 machines, either via remote desktop or SSH or anything. Run the commands. Manually intensive and crappy. Nobody ever wants to do that. Nobody should do that. Yep. Um, in the Windows world, how I've seen this approached is we have uh, a number of folks have built some tools, um, mostly internal tools of the companies I've worked with, that have allowed you to say, Here's an XML file with my servers. Here's a, a description of what I want done. Right. Go. Run these in parallel. Right. Yep. And then it goes and it runs them in parallel. Um, the thing that I always had a hard time with that is once it runs, some servers are going to be up, some servers are going to be down, some servers are going to succeed, some servers are going to fail. So you have kind of a whole bunch of data coming back at you that is not quite right. 
uh, or not quite right. I mean, harder to parse what's going on, right? Yeah. So you end up spending a lot of time looking at that, and you're like, oh, this is painful. Um, so M Collective is sort of a approach very similar to that. Basically, what you have is from your computer, you say, hey, I want to perform this action on my servers that meet this criteria, right? So yeah. I want to say um, all of my servers that are running uh, Apache or running a web server um, tell me how much memory they're consuming. And what that does is that sends a little uh, message over to a, a kind of collection node, and that is then, or a distribution node, and then however you want to look at it. Um, that is then responsible for going, okay, I know about 30 or 40 servers, right? Of those 30 or 40 servers that I know about, these 10 servers have um, Apache running on them. Yep. Now I'm going to send this request out to those servers, and then those servers get the request, and they go, oh, here's what I want, and they pass it back to you. Yeah. And then... And Collective goes through and assumes that, hey, if you were querying it for a memory, it'll give you a list of all of the servers and all of the um, readings, right? Yeah. If you're saying, stop this web service, like stop running Apache, like just shut the service off, it'll actually respond back with any failures. If it succeeded, great, Apache stopped. If you get failures, it says, hey, there's the one box that it had a problem with. Yeah. And one of the things that I think this is neat about is because it gives you a really quick and easy way to... Um, filter for specific hosts that you're looking for. Um, most places I've been, um, the they have a kind of centralized approach to this, right? Where they say, here is, in the worst case, a static text file that I have kept up to date with all of my servers in it. Right. In the better case, we have a centralized CMDB system which tells me which servers are here and I've been able to apply some kind of tagging to them right. to say this server is running this service. Yep. And then you can you know programmatically access, access that. Um, but all of those things take work, right? Yeah. It, the, the holy grail for running large-scale systems is the ability to have your system intelligently say, this is what I'm running, yep. this is the function I am fulfilling, and be able to then respond data to that. Um, the M Collective uh, integrates with a couple of other things, uh, something called Factor, which basically allows you to build um, facts about each host, right? So you can tell it, hey, host, here's the script I want you to run, and then it'll go, okay, I have this type of operating system, I have this type of stuff running on me, I have these server settings, or whatever you want, right? right. And then you could just go into mCollective and say, I would like to have find every host that matches these facts, and I want to perform X action on it. And it does it in a super distributed, super fast way, and uh, it's really slick. There's a, actually, I forgot the website, but check out mCollective on Google, um, there is, <laughs> and it's one word, M yeah. Collective. I think when yeah. I was looking it up earlier, I was running into problems. I, I ran into a fashion site, the M Collection. Ah, uh, yes, from... that's slightly different. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I thought was really neat that M Collective did, um, and okay, side note, I do work for Amazon Web Services. They're awesome, but um, what I'm going to tell you is only slightly tangentially related to that. Um, M Collective said, "Okay, so here's the thing. I know people are going to want to try this." But you know, it sucks to have to deploy something that you want to test out on your production system or in your product or in your test cloud, whatever you need. So what they did is they actually used um, there's a uh, service that Amazon Web Services provides called CloudFormation, where you can say, "Hey, click this button, and 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, however long it takes, um, you're going to have a full-on running." site that can do wikis, or you're going to have a CMDB up oh. and running, or you're going to have everything. So basically, it'll go based off of a config setting, 
and go, okay, so I need this many instances of this type, start them up, I need a couple of databases on them, here I'm gonna bootstrap everything, here go get the bits from here. Right. Uh, M Collective actually put together a, a CloudFormation um, link that you can use to go create your own M Collection or M Collective um, running virtually in AWS and play with it. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. So it makes it easy to demo. Yeah, like if it, you're using Amazon Web Services. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and <laughs> obviously I use yeah. Amazon Web Services, but um, it was really slick because it allowed. Well, I haven't got to play with it yet because I started doing it last night at about midnight, and I was really super tired. Yeah. So it's sitting there waiting for me right now, and as soon as we get off uh, um, this, I will probably go play with it a little bit. But um, some of the things that I think are really um, slick about uh, M Collective is the fact that you can now target specifically based off a of function, your servers, right. and get responses back in, like, sub-seconds, right? Wow. Hmm. Um, which, uh, obviously, the architecture that they have has, you know, a couple of issues with it that I haven't read enough to figure out how they handle, like... They do have a uh, agent that runs on all the boxes, right? That's how the um, excuse me. That's how the uh, um, kind of distribution node is able to talk to him. It talks to that uh, service and says, "Hey, here's what I need to do." Obviously, you need to make sure you've bootstrapped it. That it has the service up. That the service is running because yeah. in this kind of discovery-based architecture, if the host goes offline or is, so the service crashes, you don't necessarily know it's there. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how they uh, approach that because, you know. From time to time, you're going to have uh, even network glitches that can cause you to not be able to see hosts. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, if you're running in the Linux world, go take a look. It's really cool. It's really slick. Um, yeah. Oh, sounds cool. Wish I could use it. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is uh, one of those other things that I think is kind of interesting in the difference between uh, um, Windows and um, Linux world. In the Linux world, there's a lot of uh, folks that are going, I'm running into this problem. How am I going to solve it, right? And so they end up with a lot of cool things like uh, M Collective, Chef, Puppet, um, you end up with any number of different uh, programming languages like Ruby or Python, wh whatever, right? Um, in the Windows world, there's a different sort of approach. It, and it may, it's almost like a kind of boil the ocean approach. It's, I have this problem here, I need to solve this problem, let's go ahead and figure out what um, system I need to design to make this work, right? right? Whereas in the Linux world, it's like, okay, I've got this big problem. I'm going to use that bit of code over there. I'm going to use that bit of code over there. I'm going to use that bit of code over here and kind of fashion it together into a, a functional system that does what I need. Right. Um, and I think it's that kind of thing that makes it a little bit different for uh, the Windows folks out there. Yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, let's see. Do we have any ideas of what we're going to talk about next week? Yet? No, no. Awesome. I'll have some on, like, Friday tomorrow. Or Friday of next week. I like, okay, so here's the thing. I may not know where things are fucking located, but I know that if it's Saturday, the next day is Sunday. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean uh, tomorrow. Word came out of my mouth wrong. It'll feel like tomorrow ah, when I it see. happens. Yeah. Yes, because it will be that for them. Anyways, thank you for listening. Um, coming up next week, we may actually have a special guest. I've got some friends in town, so uh, one of them may stop by and uh, help chat with us about stuff. All right. Until then, we'll talk to you later. 